0: Hello, good evening, and welcome to the latest episode of Wrestling With John as we are live on a Tuesday evening across Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube, and uh, what a better way to spend a Tuesday evening than uh, listen to me with on for the next hour with my next wonderful guest, Big Jim Diehard. Jim, how the devil are you, buddy? Nice to have you on the show.
1: How you doing, John? I'm pretty good. I'm tired, but I've had a pretty rough few days, but yeah, we're, we're coming out the right end of it now, so I'll be right
0: busy, busy. And this interview is 24 hours delayed, but it doesn't matter. We are here, we are uh, talking. And if you have any questions for Jim, if you want to send your questions through, any comments or questions for Jim Diehard, you can do. Send them through to us using your chosen device. They'll ping through to us and I'll bring the questions up um, during this live broadcast. So uh, if you know Jim or if you want to get to know Jim better, send your questions through. Um, But Jim, first of all, thank you for coming on the show. Really, really appreciate it. It's been fun kind of bumping into you at the various shows uh, this year in particular. Uh, But one thing I want to talk to you about, it's not wrestling at all. It's not wrestling related. um, But um, uh, let me just bring up a little graphic here, Jim. And uh, let's talk about gladiators, shall we? (laughs) Um, Because I I saw a tweet of yours, Jim, a few uh, days ago. They're obviously bringing back that legendary TV show from the 90s and from yeah. the early 2000s. And uh, you, you at least via Twitter, you've thrown your hat into the ring. You fancy yourself as a bit of a gladiator. Were well, you a fan of the show uh, when you were growing um, up? Do you remember Gladiators?
1: I'm just the right age demographic. For Gladiators, was like early 90s to sort of mid, yeah, mid to late 90s, I guess. And I was just the perfect demographic for that. I was a wrestling fan. And it was kind of a... Kind of like wrestling, but not like wrestling. like yeah, my gladiators was incredible TV when I was a kid. I loved it, and you know you got to throw your hat in the room with these things. I know I'm not a traditional gladiator shaped guy. I've seen a few wrestlers, you know, your know, shreddies and guys like that have uh, have mentioned about uh, maybe being, getting a call or for 20s. gladiators. Yeah. I think I'd make an excellent <laughs> gladiator. I'd be very different to anyone else. And you know what? You tell me any of the old gladiators that that could have taken me in a in a fisty.
0: None of them. Absolutely none of them. Absolutely none of them, Jim. And and the reason why I say that is because uh, you're an absolute beast. You're a brick wall. Who's going to run past you? None of them contestants are going to run past you. Uh, But uh, I I, I like this one as well. Hand me my pugil stick. Now look at that
1: face. John, would you want to be a a 15-foot platform staring (laughs) into those eyes, holding a big giant cotton bud in his hand about to knock your head off?
0: mate i would i would jump off the second i saw exactly. you uh, especially with your gladiator outfit can you imagine you'd look like um some long lost cousin of the, the viking raiders or something with a Well, stick. like I, say,
1: I, I would i would definitely go for the saracen two-piece which was the 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 sort of hot pants with the bikini top kind of thing the sports bra for men which i don't think that look gets enough respect uh <laughs> by the pro wrestling community, for one thing. I think Saracen was quite the pioneer, and uh, I'm amazed that nobody's followed since then.
0: Well, I look forward to seeing that on Gladiators in 2023. But well, let's uh, hope what us so. what, what, what would be your gladiator name then, Jim?
1: Hoss. Big Hoss. Yeah? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. But uh, say, so come into a TV near you soon. uh ITV, watch out. Uh, but uh, seriously, that this man, uh, like I say, I, I would not want to be standing across from you're him with with a, a pugilistic. Uh, <laughs> uh, before I kind of take a deep dive into your wrestling career, Jim, um, you're, you're one of the most renowned super heavyweights on the UK circuit. Um, I think this year marks your 20th year in the business. Uh, feel free no to problem. correct me, but I think uh, at 20 years this year. So congratulations on that, my friend. But um, Thank you super heavyweight wrestling um like i say, it used to be massive popular in the 80s the 90s not so much nowadays now i've had a few big guys on my show before will Cruz, uh and right. rogan um and now yourself one or two from the states but uh talk to me about your th- thoughts and feelings on big men super heavyweight wrestling in the uk right now what's that what's that kind of um style of wrestling is it is it one that you think could be improved upon do you you know tell me tell me your thoughts on super heavyweights in the UK in
1: 2022 um I mean we've got we've got some good super heavyweights in this country but not a staggering number of them which I ain't gonna say that's a bad thing I'll never complain about lack of because for one thing it makes me more unique that there aren't as many guys around that are over that sort of 20 stone mark there's not too many of us, so. It means that guys like me and Will, we rarely will bump into each other because it's good to have kind of the one guy on the show that fills that gap. So every now and then, you know, we'll get thrown in a match against each other. Like, I just got announced with, uh, for uh, the Hammerlock show. Um, I've got a match with, um, remind me the name, um, Andy Wilde? Uh, that's, uh, that, that's correct, yeah. yeah. The Scottish guy, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, his name just totally escaped my head there. Sorry, he's, a big Andy, dude. he's quite a big guy I, I can picture him clear as day in my head, but um, yeah, yeah, like no that are him. quite few and far between. I'll normally be in a in a mismatch kind of a situation, as you've seen me in quite a few times, I'm sure. But um, you know, it's it is a style that has has stood the test of time. Obviously, there, there's always been that sort of wow factor of seeing the super heavyweight make his way to the ring. There always will be, you know, the the wow factor in that because we're the kind of guys that you don't bump into in the street every day when you see us you know walking out in the leotard and that kind of thing is it is quite imposing um obviously that style has had to move with the times as well you can't just be that sort of big daddy style of wrestler anymore you have to be able to do a few more things than uh, just stand there and let guys bounce off you but i think you've, you've got to pick your moments right with that it wouldn't look right for me to try and keep up with the cruiserweight guys on a show but i have got to have a few little things you know a few little bag of tricks every now and then i've got to come off the ropes i've got to do my dives and that kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, long live the super heavyweights, you know?
0: Absolutely. Just going to bring up a few pictures here, Jim. And like I say, working out that, that that's uh, an impressive, uh, unit there for sure. Um, Absolutely. And as I said earlier, Jim, this year marks your twentieth your year in the business. So that'd be 2002 when you first yeah. started. Um what what does it mean to you to have been in the business for 20 whole years then, Jim?
1: I mean, the twenty years thing is, is just a number to me. Like it's nice to have that anniversary, but I I don't I don't want it to be people thinking that I'm saying that I'm a twenty year veteran of Pro Wrestling, because I'm simply not. 20 years of wrestling for me means you have been a full-time wrestler for 20 years. And the fact is, I haven't. There were years when I, it was a struggle and I'd have maybe as little as 10 matches in a year. And that, to me, that doesn't count as a year of pro wrestling. It's 20 years since I had my debut, but I'd never class myself as a 20-year experienced wrestler, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, you know, I've seen... A lot of people come and go in that time. Obviously, I've crossed paths with a lot of people that have gone on to do some huge things, and um, yeah, I've got some great memories from throughout those twenty years. Obviously, but uh, yeah, no, no plans to slow down anytime soon. No, and and and
0: speaking of that, Jim, um, how do you feel? kind of Jim Diehard is in 2022. I mean, in my opinion, from watching you, from doing the research on you, Jim, I think you're having the form of your life, to be honest with you. Certainly since pro wrestling came back in 2021 and 2022 has been a great year, but character-wise, performance-wise, the the experience on top of that, do you feel that you're kind of at your peak or having some of your, your, your better moments this
1: year and certainly in the last 12 months? Yeah, I've had a... a, I can't complain about anything. You know, obviously COVID kind of knocked everybody um, off their game a bit. And um, I I was no different to everybody else. I did the kind of, you know, this is unique, so let's sit around and and eat loads and have a few beers every night and just enjoy the slower pace of life while we can. Um, Then a time came where we had sort of limited time where we could go and start training again. And... I hadn't taken care of myself when I realized something's wrong here, that I can't do what I used to do. I used to be a, a twenty-five stone guy that could move around the ring a bit. Right. And after taking, you know, a year or however long it was away from doing that, I hadn't looked after myself as well as I should. I was weightlifting, I had access to weightlifting equipment, but I just turned into a power lifter that could lift weight but couldn't really move too much. And yeah, I kind of had to take care of that. So um I just got my head down i was determined no i'm going to come back and i lost a little bit of weight and then i was determined i was going to come back in the best shape i've ever been in i think with pro wrestling your mind and your body have a kind of time where your mind for the business meets your physical capabilities in the business if that makes any sense to you at all yeah,
0: yeah absolutely so
1: you might you know physically you're able to do stuff when you're younger that you can't do when you're older but your mind for the business is not where it needs to be when you're at your physical peak, but there is a time when you hit that sweet spot where you've, you, are physically in a good place, you are mentally in a good place and everything just kind of comes together. And I think maybe I'm in that place at the moment. I think, you know, some of the guys like by today's standards, I'd probably be considered a, a veteran or one of the older guys in the business. But if you look back to like the top guys in the business, traditionally were guys were around 40 years old. You know what I mean? Like the guys that really had their their big top runs were all around about the age of 40. And I think that's where that physical and mental crossover kind of, it just links up in the right place. So, yeah, I, mean, I think I've got some some good years ahead of me. And I think, yeah, you I would agree with you. I'm having a, a really good year at the moment. I'm definitely not doing as much as I have been in the previous years. But I'm kind of taking, picking my spots a bit more carefully.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and one thing that's uh, quite noticeable about yourself since the return is, uh, I mean, there's been quite a few new promotions crop up over the last 12 months. Yeah. Um, your, your likes of uh, PEW, Phenomenal Elite Wrestling, your likes of Coliseum, Wrestle Carnival and one or two others. And you've actually been a, a big part or maybe a small part in certain promotions, but you've been a part of those new groups coming yeah. to the fore and, um, how have you enjoyed kind of coming back and performing for some of them new groups that have, that, that have broke out and tried to make their name in the last 12 months?
1: It's been great. I mean, it's, it's always a good feeling when somebody is starting a promotion and within the first couple of shows, your name is on the list, especially when yeah. it's the very first show and your name is on the list of people that they want involved in it. That feeling, you know, the novelty of that never wears off. That It's like that, like you always say, if you're going to start a wrestling promotion, list of guys that you would want involved. And I don't know if it's just a financial thing or what, what the deal is, you know, I don't know if I'm anyone's fantasy roster or anything like that, but it is a good feeling to be, you know, in at ground zero with promotions that I'm hopefully going to see, you know, keep growing and growing and growing and and being a foundation of some of those promotions. I'd like to think that I'll still be involved in like, like I say, the Hammerlock relaunch is coming back. Um, Resurgence, so I've got my t-shirt there. I've been with them since the very, very beginning when they first started I'm still with them to this day so yeah it is uh, it is a good feeling I do enjoy being a part of things right from the start, see how they grow, see who comes and goes and hopefully I'll yeah. stay with them.
0: Absolutely and sticking with PEW Phenomenal um, Elite Wrestling because you've been with them I think for their entirety, I think that they've had Five shows you've been involved with, all five. Uh, you've been a, a featured performer as well. I think you were involved in a, a a triple threat to crown their first champion. I think it was yourself, Martin Kirby, and um, Callum Newman. Um, and, and yeah. you, you've you, you were involved in a, an open challenge recently with PEW as well. So yeah. you're being featured as one of their top heels. Um, and you've been there for all five shows. That's pretty cool. And I think PEW are doing some really good things, despite the fact they're a new promotion and you're yeah. in
1: the thick of things, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, the, the PEW, um, it's been a learning curve for the uh, for the team in charge of that, for sure. Um, I think there is a tendency when people start a new promotion that, that wrestlers will maybe try and take advantage of them. My advice to any wrestlers that are paying attention to this right now, look after those new promoters and they will repay that to you. I assure you of that. You can take the money and run on day one, and then there may not be a day two. You look after them for the start, you help them along, teach them the way, tell them how best to use you, be fair with what you're asking from them, treat them well. Don't treat them like, oh, here's a guy with money that I could take advantage of. It's just there's no longevity to that, there's no good reputation to come from that. I am getting into a little bit of politics here of stuff that's gone on there. Carry but, on, carry on. Yeah, you know, it, it, it was a shame that, that that did happen in the beginning, but. I know that they're in a stronger position now. They have a stronger management structure there. And it's only going to get better from here. I can assure you of that. And I'm happy that I did my part to you know, keep things ticking along there. And in turn, I've been very well looked after there. Uh, like you say, I'm in a great spot there. Me, Ivy, Kirby, you know, we're all raising hell over there on a, on a regular basis. So uh, look forward to seeing what comes next. I'm going to be Absolutely. back there this Saturday, I believe. Yeah, so I think you've and got uh, uh, Yeah, Toby Valentine here. made a, a cute little video yesterday uh, calling me out, <laughs> making lots of uh, claims about how he's going to be you know, chucking me around with his farm boy strength and whatnot. But we'll see what happens there, Toby. He,
0: he's, he's a strong dude. He's a strong dude, but uh, he's got his... Uh, Toby's a good uh, lad. He's a good yeah. lad. A little
1: bit naive, you know, to be making them sort of comments <laughs> towards me. But yeah, he's a good lad, Toby. So Absolutely. I look forward to him in the ring again. I'll be there.
0: Absolutely. Looking forward to the rematch there. And of course, cool. we briefly mentioned Wrestle Carnival. Uh, that was one of the places we've kind of uh, met at uh, yep. this year. Um, and it was at the HMV Empire in Coventry, your, uh, your home turf, your hometown. Wow. Um, and you was involved in, uh, in this match here, uh, the, the four-way, the Carnival Scramble match. you got got another hometown boy there, George Lydon, uh, yourself, Big Guns Joe, Tommy Carl, uh, that that was a fun match, but um, uh, that was probably Wrestle Carnival's most attended show in right. a, a new venue for them. And that place was absolutely rocking that night. Right. And You had some big imports like Eric Young, Scotty Too Hotty, um, And like I say, your match, uh, that that Scramble match. Give us your kind of thoughts on that show as a whole, because... Being a Coventry boy, seeing a, a wrestling show kind of be as popular and uh, as as loud as that one was, um, that must have been you know must have filled you with a lot of pride, knowing that that was taking place in your hometown.
1: No, absolutely. Is you know it's great to uh, to do anything in Coventry is is ideal for me. It, it enables me to tell people, you know, you've always wanted the people that tell you, oh hey, I need to come and see you wrestle sometime. Well, here I am right on your doorstep. Come and see me wrestle and. Um, yeah, it's, there's a lot of nostalgia for me, you know, of uh, walking through the city centre that I grew up in as a teenager, I'd go to, there was a HMV, used to be literally like $5 down from there, where I'd go and pick up my ECW videotapes and uh, my, my actual era posters from my bedroom wall and stuff like that. So to be in a ring, you know, sharing a dressing room with the likes of Scotty Two Hearty and um, just a few steps down the road from uh, where I kind of grew up, yeah, it's It is is pretty cool to be able to do stuff like that in your hometown. And um, I see Wrestle Carnival, you know, they've got plans to be back there next year. Um, Hopefully I'll I'll be a part of those plans. Just stay tuned for that. But just keep supporting them, guys. Like you say, you know, these kind of shows will only be around as long as people are there to support them. So I hope people in Coventry, the West Midlands, and, you know, wrestling fans in general, keep supporting promotions like Wrestle Carnival. I know, you know, Gary puts a hell of a lot of effort into his shows to make sure that the cards are absolutely stacked every time. And, uh, you know, best of luck to him. And I hope he's going to continue to fill up that venue as he did last time. It was, like you say, absolutely rocking in there.
0: It really was. It really was. And uh, like I say, that, that the HMV Empire in Coventry is going to be Wrestle Carnival's, uh regular home um, from 2023 onwards. Correct. And uh, like I say, hope to see you there uh, more often. And especially, you know, the big hoss man, you know, the, the henchman. Um, but it's got to happen. It's got to happen. Take us all the way back, Jim, to when wrestling first came into your life. Uh, maybe as a, as a young child, uh, but when did wrestling first come into your consciousness as a fan and when did it when did you fall in love with the great sport?
1: So for me, um see my mum my will always tell me that she took me to a holiday camp show when I was a kid. I was definitely too young to remember that. I have no memories of that whatsoever. But the first thing I ever remember seeing was my cousin who is about five years older than me. I was maybe I'm gonna say I was six at the time. And my cousin who was probably about ten at the time he used to come over to, to our house every weekend. Um, And this one day he turned up with these VHS cassettes recorded off the TV and on the, you know, you used to get the, the slip cover for the VHS, the cardboard slip cover. Yeah. It was covered with WWF stickers of like different wrestlers. It was like Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, guys like that on there. And these tapes were Royal Rumble 1990, Royal Rumble 1991 and SummerSlam 1991. And um, I just watched those three tapes over and over and over and over again. And I was just, from the get-go, I was absolutely gripped by it. I'd never seen anything like it before. It was just absolutely mind-blowing to me. Um, The guys that I remember that that really stuck out for me, and I I tell this to people all the time, Road Warriors, Legion of Doom, you know, what six-year-old could look at that and not think, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life? Um, And then the other guy was Big Boss Man. I was give me inspiration for my uh, my latest nickname that I'm trying to get going, the Big Boss Man. Yeah. But Boss Man, you know, he was a. By the time I started watching, he was a big, friendly police officer, big fat guy with a flat top and a goatee, spinning that nightstick around in his hand, and just what's a simpler story than that? Here's the policeman to beat up the bad guys and put them in jail. So simple, but wow, I was, you know, captivated from the first time I saw that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, so, so that was from a young age, I'm guessing, uh, how, how did your tastes change as you kind of matured as a wrestling fan? Did you kind of branch off into, I don't know, promotions from around the world or more indie wrestling? How did your kind of uh, wrestling fandom change as you grew up? Um,
1: I mean, there wasn't really an indie wrestling scene to speak of when no. I was a fan of it, that certainly nothing that you could really get aware of. um, I kind of, so that was from the age of six. I was a WWF guy. We had cable in our house so I could watch Superstars every weekend uh, and then Raw when that came along eventually. You know, there was the, the big dip in the business around like what, 94, 95, yeah. when it just kind of wasn't the cool thing to watch anymore. Nobody in the playground was talking about WWF anymore. And everyone had just kind of moved on to, you know, football or whatever. And then, um, I think one day I just picked up like a, a power slam magazine in a, in the news agency down the street from me. And I took it home and read it when I was maybe we're talking like 97, 98 now. And I read through this and I kind of caught myself up on what was going on in the world and started tuning into raw because raw just started getting hot again. Steve Austin was just kind of becoming the guy. This was like just as Shawn Michaels was walking away and Steve Austin was becoming the guy. And I got back into it from that moment. Every Friday night, if you remember the Friday night wars on UK, there was um, TNT would show Nitro and Sky Sports would show Raw at the same time. Absolutely. And you yeah. could flick between them on a Friday night. Yeah. Uh, and I used to do that every Friday. I'd have a couple of my buddies would come around. One of them was Benton Destruction, my tag team partner uh, and a guy called Dave we used to hang out with. And we would just sit there and flick between the two shows on a Friday night and, um, And I just continued as a fan from there. Um, Like I say, I was reading the Power Slam magazine. They had um, reports every now and then on a company called NWA UK Hamlock. And they started running shows in Bedworth just down the road from me. And um, a band of us got together and we went and watched one of the Hamlock shows one night with Jimmy Amel Neidhart. And I was like, this is what I want to do.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely fantastic. And it was with uh, NWA, uh, Hamalock, wasn't it, that you kind of cut your teeth.
1: Is, is that where you started your training? That's where I started. So what happened was, Hamalock was based down in Kent, which it's going to be again when it comes back, uh, run by Andre Baker. Um, guys like John Ryan, Johnny Moss were like the coaches down there. Um, so they opened a second training school, which was going to be run by a guy called magic and magic happened to live in Coventry. So the training school opened up in Coventry as it happened 10 minutes from my house. And I just turned 16 when it opened and my mum would drive me there every Sunday afternoon. I'd go and learn, I'd go and learn holds. It was a Aikido center. I put a photo up of it. I passed it a few months ago and I put a photo on my Instagram of it. And I just happened to drive past it. And I was like, I've got to stop and take a picture here. This is where it all began you'll see this this building is no more than seven foot high from the outside right and it's just completely flattened judo mats that have never ever been changed i imagine they're still the same ones in there now (laughs) that were there in
0: 2002
1: just judo mats with a, a blue tarpaulin pinned to the ground and that's where we learned to to take falls and link up and stuff like that i didn't see the inside of a wrestling ring for eight months after i started training but that's where it all began was right there. And that was through, that was like an affiliate school of hammerlock. And then that was in the July of 2001. And then in the March of 2002, the tour was happening again. And all of the trainees knew that the hammerlock show was going to be in Bedworth on the Friday night. So the Sunday before everybody showed up for training. We're not talking like training schools. Now I know the ones that I've been to maybe will pull, I don't know, 10 or 15 students on an average week the NWA school in Coventry was pulling like 30 people every Sunday without fail. Uh, So it was packed this one day and we're going through the warm-ups and everything and everyone's thinking the same thing. You just know everyone's thinking the same thing. Am I going to get asked to do the Bedworth show next Friday? Um, And as it happened, there was a, a rumble match going on and I was one of maybe four or five of us that got invited to go along and do the rumble. But then I had to source a gimmick and gear within like five days and we're talking 2002 now so there was just yeah. nothing available you could not just <laughs> you know there was there was no i'm gonna buy a pair of tights on ebay and that just didn't exist at all you had to what,
0: scour what did corners you do of 2002
1: <laughs> internet call on favors from relatives that had a sewing machine and uh throw together something
0: Crazy, crazy times. Uh, But but, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think your initial gimmick, um, and I've got two names here. I've got Jekyll and I've got Quentin Uh, Hyde-Styles. Jekyll and Hyde. Is is that right? Those were the two names you you went under. Were those the two names you went
1: under? Jekyll and Hyde thing. Yeah, so Jekyll was the initial gimmick with the mask and everything. Right. Um, I think I was probably doing that for about a year, and then I came up with the Quentin Hyde Styles thing, because I just just wanted, like, it, it was. I kind of restricted myself with the gimmick I was doing, with the look that I'd gone for. It just, I felt like, I want to do, I want to just be an idiot, and be that kind of, that idiot villain that talks big and then makes a fool of himself. I really, really wanted to do that, and it just didn't work with the Jekyll thing that I was doing at the time, and I just wanted to do it as kind of a little side project. So... I had the Jekyll and the Hyde and sometimes I do the both on, on the same show. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was super fun. Always fun doing that.
0: Oh man, man. And what, what sort of reactions were you getting from the, the audience? So, and were you kind of the, the big kind of Hoss type Jim Diehard, but 20 years ago, Was you was, you was bigger character no. back no, then. No, what what no. sort of a wrestler were you?
1: I was just, just a, a, a chubby teenager at the time. You know, right. I was, I was bigger than most of the guys that I was training with. But then when I went to the shows, everyone dwarfed me. So I'd been going to training every week and throwing guys around because they were, you know, 30 or 40 pounds lighter than me. And I could do that. But then when I started going and working shows, suddenly I was the small guy that all I knew was how to do big man stuff. So yeah. I started doing this. Weird, I was like, I oh, man, it was just a mess. Like every- <laughs> I-, I wish I could say I have great memories of the classic <laughs> matches i had, but, I don't have any memories of doing classic matches then. I was just a, an idiot trying to figure it all out back then. I had this weird obsession with Tajiri and Super Crazy and um, all the stuff that they could do in ECW, but I was too heavy and unathletic to do it. I was crazy big into Loki at the time, so I just wanted to kick everybody as hard as I could, which, you know, I, I got put in a match with Johnny Kidd once and I was hoofing him all over the place in the most like, appalling way that I'm embarrassed to even think about how I... <laughs> I kicked the hell out of Jolly Kid in my first year in a wrestling match. You know what I mean? Um, But I was really just figuring it all out then and just having fun with my buddies really. And just, it was like such a novel thing that like being a fan of it from the age of six. And then here I am suddenly 17, 18. And I'm like, I'm actually doing this. And like Mike magic, who's still like a super close friend of mine to this day, who is going to be on the Hamlock comeback shows. He was my original coach. And, so here's credit. You know, he started up this training school. He made sure we, we would coach every week the right way, respectfully and taught me a lot of lessons about how the business works and things like that. Not only did he teach us how to wrestle, but you know, he, he was great at teaching us the promo side of things, teaching us every role you will ever need to do. Cause we were all getting stuck in, you know, we build the rings, we'd, we'd go out poster and all that kind of thing. And he really taught us how to, how to do the job respectfully. Um, he was putting on shows for us near enough every month. And we were running like just our training group. We kind of branded it as uh, Midlands pro wrestling when there wasn't really a big Midlands scene to speak of. Uh, we were running shows in like a leisure center in front of 200 people. And it was just all trainees. And we had, we were in this huge leisure center. We had a, a, a decent wrestling ring. We had an entranceway. Lights, pyrotechnics, you know, they really, really went to town on this. And I can't thank Mike enough for that, for giving us that experience. And like I say, we were just a bunch of wet teenagers, really, living our dreams. And uh, Mike is is so much to thank for that.
0: That's awesome. I, I-, I want to fast forward a little bit. And I don't know what you remember about 2010, but doing my research, 2010 seems to be a bit of a notable year for you. And uh, um, you-, you had quite a few turns over in over in Belgium. For a company called uh, B Catch yeah. Wrestling, uh, what yeah. do you remember? What do you remember about your your tours? of Belgium? Well, they probably weren't tours. I don't know whether they just kind of sent you over there a couple of matches and back again. But you had <laughs> matches against Dave Mastiff back in 2010, um, yeah. uh, Brittany Knight and the Zebra Kid, of course, Paige and yeah. Zack Knight. Um, you had. I think uh, you had pr- probably the following year, you was involved in a, a tag match against Tommy End, and then another match, Jody oh, yeah. Fleisch and Johnny Storm. So I th- they looked after you over in Belgium and put you in some uh, pretty good matches, some great opportunities. Man, but what, that, that seems to be a, a great lot. year.
1: I've a lot of what you'd even said then until you mentioned it. Like yeah. My memory is so sharp, to be honest with you. Um, so... This was just a guy that, um, again, I go back to Magic, who toured with uh, an English guy that lived in France um, called Nathan. And um, he was, w- so when Mike was working over in France, he got linked up with Nathan. Nathan came over to Coventry to watch one of my shows, which was a X wrestling show that I used to run um, way, way back when. Um, and suddenly Nathan was involved with uh, a couple of French guys that were going to start promoting shows in Belgium. And for some reason, like on a list of guys, that was like Zack Sabre, Jr., um, Roy Knight, Brittany Knight, Jody Storm, Johnny Fleish. Uh, sorry, Johnny Storm, Jody Fleish. Um, all these amazing UK guys. Doug Williams was there. Dave Mastiff. Um, some incredible guys. And then yeah. my name was on the list. And yeah, it, it happened a few times and. Yeah, they really took care of us over there. You know, that was my first experience of, like, doing things like going on the Eurostar. Um, they would pick us up in a the minibus there and take us to the show where there would be, like, food and drink backstage plenty. It was, like, open bar all day. Because um, in Europe at that time, there weren't that many decent wrestlers around. Not like there are now. There's, there's loads of great, incredible wrestlers in Europe at the moment. But there weren't a great deal over there. So they would quite heavily rely on bringing over a lot of British guys. Um and, yeah, I remember that first show. I don't know if you checked the card for that first one, but guys like um, – I think Tajiri was on that show. And there was, like, um, Chris Masters, um, Shelton Benjamin. I, um, Sami Zayn was on one of the early shows when he was in his previous guise. And I'm, I'm not going to uh, expose him here, but, you know, I'm doing that.
0: Um,
1: yeah, so, yeah, I'd, I'd go over there and they'd tell me, okay, you're going to go out and uh, beat up Brittany Knight. And then you and Dave Mastip will have a hardcore match in front of it was like 2,000 people in this wow. in this building. And yeah, it was absolutely insane. Again, it was, you know, the production was absolutely second to none. They really took care of us over there. Yeah, I can remember now I was stuck on a motorway. We I think we were going to the north of France somewhere to do the the second or third show when I was in the 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 tag team match with Tommy End. And I think we we were stuck in traffic for something like 10 hours or something crazy like that. <laughs> um i remember spud went for a walk on the side of a motorway just to get some air or something like that And suddenly the traffic started moving next thing we know he's half a mile behind us being picked up by the police like the french police are asking why is this small english man walking with this at the time like he just started doing the rock star so he had the big hair and he had the you know, the string of vest on and the tight jeans and everything and the big sunglasses and he's walking down the the, the hard shoulder of some french motorway we've like shot about half a mile away from him He's getting picked up by the police now who are trying to quiz him, but they don't speak any English and he didn't speak any French. The promoter is in the driving seat of this minibus in such a flap because he's got half of his show. He's in his car, now getting questioned by police on the side of the motorway. Um, And yeah, next thing I know, I'm I'm backstage at this show and um, I think it was me and a French guy against Tommy End and another French guy. But the French guys didn't speak any English. We didn't speak any French. So I think me and Tommy kind of had to just Work on our side of things, leave them to do their side of things, and linked up somewhere at the end. But yeah, that was pretty cool. And um, yeah, like you say, I, me and uh, Adam Shame, who's now coach trip up in ICW, uh, we got to wrestle uh, Johnny and Jody, which is that was a, a big thing to tick off the list for, for yeah. British wrestling. As far as that goes, that's that's a pretty big special tag match that you get to have there.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Speaking of tag matches and tag teams. Uh, What about these guys here then, the henchmen? What about those guys? Wow, come on, come on. Now, 2012 seemed to mark a a huge change in your career, Um, a, a gimmick change, a name change. Yeah. Uh, joining up with, with Benton Destruction, I absolutely think that's one of the best resting gimmick names ever, to be honest with you. I had to read it a couple of times before it really sank in, but that's absolutely yeah. fantastic. But, but the henchmen were born in about 2012, so a lot of changes for you around that time, name, tag yeah. team partner... Give us your what were the circumstances that led to all them changes in one year, and then kind of from then off, you and you and your te- Benton, the henchman, were off to the races, yeah. weren't you?
1: So, so me and Benton, uh, I'm just going to call him Ben for short here. Not that that's, that's easier. Easy. Yeah, you know, we'll just call him Ben for, for a sake of easier. So, me and Ben, we were like super best buddies since we were like twelve or thirteen. We met when we were in uh, in secondary school. Um, I think it was he was a huge guy. Like even when we were in school, he was like the biggest guy in school by a long way. When we were like year eight or year nine, he was like this this big giant guy. He had like his entire head shaved apart from just like the fringe coming forward at the top, which was a thing for some reason. I don't know why that was a thing, but that was his thing. And he was like just this massive guy that was was bigger than everybody else at school, and he was so quiet, you know. Um and um through like a mutual friend, he found out that I was into wrestling or something like that, and I ended up giving him a tape or a CD or so, something like that. It was some weird thing that I was a guy that had something that he wanted, and we made contact and we just like both of us bonded over being the the weird fat kids in school that were into wrestling and insane clown posse basically. And um, we started wrestling together at the training, same training school, um, debuted just a few months apart. And we'd both kind of come to this point where like, I'd done some stuff with Jekyll and he'd done some stuff and we were kind of going, you know, just just parallel careers kind of thing. But we were, neither of us had kind of got what we'd wanted out of it. And the gimmicks that we come up with in 2002 didn't really feel right in 2012, you know what I mean? Like the world yeah. had kind of moved on that we were both doing these sort of semi-goth things that were like, you know, your XPW's and uh, CZW's had loads of guys that were doing that, to play the pleather trousers and all that kind of thing in the in a new metal and all that was like that was the thing in 2002, but in 2010, 2012, not so much anymore. So we were both at the point where like we're not getting booked anywhere. Our gimmicks are completely irrelevant and it's looking like we're going to have to either wind down or completely reinvent ourselves. So we said, all right, we'll have one last crack at this and see how it goes. So at the time, we were just like training a couple of guys at this um, community center that that Ben was um, working at at the time. So we could kind of access it whenever we wanted to. And we just shot this stupid video of us. So where we were at is that We were kind of felt like we were the we were veterans in our heads, you know, ten years in ten years of part timers in our heads we were veterans, and we kind of got this inspiration to be: what if we were just you know when all the shoot videos came out of like the washed up eighties and nineties guys just complaining about the business, right? Yeah, we said what if we were a parody of those guys, of just these washed up fat old guys that hate pro wrestling but can't let go of it. Wouldn't that be a great gimmick if we did that? So, we shot this like silly vignette video of us both wearing like leotards with the Rocky Balboa cut up sweatshirts underneath, covered in sweat, and drinking beers and protein shakes and doing like old school exercises and doing like really boring, crappy submission holds that nobody uses anymore. And set it to um, the the song We Fight for Love, which was the end credits of the Arnold Schwarzenegger film Commando. That's the song. Gotcha. And uh, we just made it like as cheesy and low-budget, low-quality as possible, stuck it on YouTube and said, here's a Twitter account, here's a Facebook account. Bookers, basically. (laughs) There was no wrestling content in it other than us beating up a trainee in a a singlet. Um, And surprisingly enough, um, Spud got like so far behind it. And he was doing really well at the time. And Spud got really behind it. He absolutely loved it. And he, like, promoted the hell out of it. And um, I can't thank him enough. We got so much work just off the back of Spud being so supportive of it and spreading the word of it. And uh, it went, like, a little bit viral. Like, I think that's somewhere like, like 4,000 views in in within, like, two or three days. And people were going, this is brilliant, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there was no wrestling in it. There was no promo in it. It was just a couple of fat old guys presenting themselves as – older, fatter guys, basically, that hated the job more than we've ever hated the job. Um, and to our surprise, it just took off. Yeah, I mean, it
0: clearly worked because you two kind of tagged and worked together for close to a decade. And I think up yeah. until up until last year, you guys were still working together as, as the henchmen. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure that there'll be many more matches uh, with yourself and Ben down yeah, the road. it's not over but yet. It's definitely not over yet. No, no. But, uh, I mean... 2013, 2014, you had a series of matches with the Hunter brothers, and you know you had such a good run uh, with with Ben. Uh, what other, what other kind of highlights or memories kind of really stand out to you? Your your kind of decade um, as as one half of the henchmen.
1: Like the the stuff in the ring pales in comparison to the fun that me and Ben have just being out on the road together. Like that's crazy. Like that I got to do this with my, my best friend who I've known my more than half of my life. You know, he was the best man at my wedding. I was the best man at his wedding. And we're just like, like super best pals. And he, to this day, he lives, he lives less than a quarter of a mile away from where I'm sitting right now. (laughs) Uh, He's just around the corner from me. Uh, so you know to get to to do that with your your brother basically you know is uh is quite a rare thing i mean we've been we've done tours for all-star wrestling we've done the holiday camps and things like that where you just you go away and live in caravans for a week with uh with some like amazing cool people you do your job in the daytime you relax and enjoy yourself in the evening with a bunch of lads and to do that with your best friend at your side you know it's incredible we went went out to germany together did a weekend over in germany and um yeah, I mean, you know, we've worked against some some incredible wrestlers. Um, even like when they're in their very early days as well. We, we you know, um we wrestled uh Aussie Open when they were first over here uh and and picked up the W there as well, must note. Um we wrestled like you say the Hunter Brothers countless times. We always have such yeah. a good time with with Jim and Lee. We always had the best time in the ring with them, even when Lee absolutely goes to town on me with a with a folding chair and uh, scrambles my brains a little bit. And yeah, I've, I've got some great memories with Lee that I can't even tell you about. To be honest <laughs> with you, but uh, yeah, uh, it it's just incredible to to get to have those times with uh, with someone who you're so close with.
0: Absolutely. And you mentioned All-Star Wrestling there and uh, uh, PCW is another company I want to bring up. because I think it's about 2018 or thereabouts when you made yeah. your debut for PCW. So between PCW and All-Star Wrestling, two you know wrestling companies uh, that, that have huge legacies within the British wrestling scene um, and getting to kind of make your mark and have your matches with those two companies must have been pretty special for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, All-Star Wrestling kind of... Um... Was almost like the, I want to say like the like the third, the second rebirth for both of us. That, you know, the henchman thing it had its sort of peak. Um, we were doing okay with it, and then the novelty wore off a little bit, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then just a, a chance encounter with James Mason. Uh, we ended up in a match with him. We gave him like a really easy match, and afterwards he asked if we'd ever contacted Brian Dixon. And I, to that point, you know, even at that stage, I don't know. What year we even debuted with All-Star? You might have that in front of you. <laughs> um, I, I do not. I, th- I, I think
0: it was... No, no I, I, I'd i be wrong if I uh, tried to guess right now. <laughs> I'd say it
1: was, it was probably around 2015, 2016 sort of time. We just had a, 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 just a chance encounter with James Mason, who I'd never met before that day. Uh, we had a match with him, and afterwards he said, have you ever sent your information to Brian Dixon? And in my head, All-Star Wrestling was like this absolutely impenetrable place where they have their crew and nobody else gets in. Um, So I'd I'd never even considered sending my information to to all-star. And then James recommended that we did. And he said, he put in a word for us and we have absolutely never looked back. We debuted with all-star within a couple of weeks. We were wrestling at Victoria Hall in Hanley against Charlie Sterling and Dean Allmark. I mean, you know, top of the bill. What better way to debut in any promotion? Uh, And, you know, Brian Dixon took a liking to us um as these sort of i mean brian Dixon, like i say he's always had a super heavyweight on his roster but never really had a tag team of super heavyweights working for him and quite so quite so much as we were we went all around the country wrestling guys like james mason dean Ormark, uh joel redmond charlie sterling what more could you ask for you know best
0: of the best yeah best of the best
1: yeah Absolutely,
0: and, uh, and um, Brian
1: it, it was kind enough to invite us down to to wrestle at Butlins and Haven Parks and every summer, and even weekends at Butlins. We nobody knew about it, but we'd go down and we'd be wrestling against Joel Redmond and Charlie Sterling in front of two thousand people at Minehead on a Saturday night, wow, and nobody wow. even knows that that was happening. You know, but that that's where we truly learned what we were doing. We would have these twenty five thirty minute matches every weekend with these huge reactions from the audience when, you know, we'd we'd get stereo body slammed at the end of the match and the the roof would come off the place. And wow, what a rush you get from that. indescribable.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I've spoken to so many wrestlers on this podcast and uh, how they rave about the importance of, working the holiday camps and the the repetitions, you know, the 14, 15 reps per week and more, uh, you know, six weeks solid. And uh, that's where you really cut your teeth. That's when you really kind of learn about pro wrestling. But uh, I want to talk to you about Southwest wrestling, if I can, because I think for the last two or three years, They've become a bit of a a bit of a home for you. And I know that you've got a fond love for Southwest Wrestling. Um, And I know that just before lockdown, you had your last match for Southwest Wrestling against Simon Miller. And your first match back was for Southwest Wrestling as well. Um, And you've had an incredible journey with them. But uh, tell us a bit about Southwest Wrestling and what they mean to you and what they've done for your career in that time.
1: Um so Southwest Wrestling, Pete Bainbridge, specifically the promoter there who was um, who was an old World of Sport guy, Pete Bainbridge was uh, was one like I think he may have been the youngest person ever to wrestle on Euros uh, on on World of Sport uh, back in the eighties. Uh, such a great guy, funny, funny man, great head for the business. Um finally decided to get into the promotion side of things. And I wasn't even there from the very get-go. I was I was maybe a few shows in. Um it was actually through Jack who was working there and um, I asked him if he put a word in with me because I was really keen to work on these shows because they, they really looked like they were going to be something. Like I say, I, I kind of have a feel for these things. I like to get in early when I can. Uh, so Jack was kind enough to, to put a word in for me. He had to basically pass by my house to get to the shows and he, he managed to get me working down there. And uh, it's it's just been great. I mean, some of the people I've, I've got to work with down there that I never would have came across before. Um, I'm going to just drop some names that people don't really know. Um, Bussaw Bronson, who is the champion down there at the moment. Absolutely incredible worker who really doesn't get the, the credit he deserves outside of the Southwest where he's based. Um, Bain, who you may have seen the uh, with the dungarees and the, the cow hat, that kind of deal. Good old country boy, side of swilling country boy. One of the nicest guys you'll ever meet in pro wrestling. Super good drinking buddy of mine at the Lake Fest that we do every year now. Um, one of my favorite opponents to get in there and scrap with as well. You know, Pete's really put together something special down there. He's got a great team. If anyone upsets the balance on the team, they're very quietly dismissed from the team and um, it, keeping it, keeping it tight the way Pete has and bringing in you know picking spots to, to bring in some really good outside talent. I think he's he's absolutely got the nail on the head with this really. Absolutely. I can't yeah. think highly enough of him. And again, Lakefest, the, the greatest party of the year.
0: Well, well, let's talk about that because when I had uh, L.A. Taylor on the show in May, I think it was May, yes. and uh, she was reminiscing about Lake Fest 2021. And uh, I don't know if this brings back any memories, uh, oh, but uh, he was in there, I think it was a handicap match, to, uh little legs or um a kneecapper Murphy, L.A. Taylor yeah. versus yourself. And uh, I think... Kind of that summer, you had a series of matches, series of handicap matches involving uh, Kneecap and Murphy, Little Eggs and L.A. Taylor. And I think Pete was involved in one or two as well. Uh, but some some great memories and, like I say, some some great talent in the ring there, especially L.A. Taylor, who's just tearing it up at the moment.
1: Oh, L.A. Taylor, I would say, is one of my favourite people I've ever met in any walk of life, first of all. Um, really, really great person. Lovely human being. Um so so nice to me and um as always like leaning on me for advice and things like that when i never think i'm a guy to be giving advice to anybody who especially someone as naturally talented as she is that is absolutely killing it all over the place Um yeah. you know it, it means the world to me that that she still considers me some of them a mentor so yeah she's just a super cool person who I, I love spending time with uh especially love working with but um yeah so lake fest last year I think we did three days and the last day was supposed to be all warriors division, which is the the women's division of Southwest wrestling. But this being COVID in the way it was, Pete had so many dropouts and bear in mind, we were in the middle of a field in Herefordshire with no phone service at all. So it was just kind of a case of on the day, see who turns up basically.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: So we'd had, you know, a bit of a party night the night before. And I was there in sort of a agent advisory kind of role on the on the Sunday for for what was going to be the the big blast show with the Warriors division. And then by the time it came around, we were so short sure of people to actually fill this show. And we had been getting incredible crowds all weekend. And um, Gilligan Gordon put forward the suggestion of um, what if you worked with L.A. Taylor? I've never met her to this point. Like, this was the first day that we met. Really? Wow. She was so, so nervous um, before this match happened. We'd never spoken before. We'd never worked together before. And um, I said, you know, wouldn't it be cool if you gave me the body slam? Uh, and she was like, oh, no, no, there's, there's no way I could do that. There you go. There's the picture. And she was absolutely certain there was no way she was going to be able to do that. I said, well, if you don't do it, what's the worst that happens? We'll try it. and. If it, if it happens, it'll be the greatest thing ever. I don't know if you can see in that picture there that you just posted, but if you look at the look on little legs, face, I don't yeah. know if you can zoom in on that, but the, the look of delight on little it's legs face in yeah. that match <laughs> is, is, is well worth zooming in on. He looks so proud. And that's my favorite part of that picture is how proud he looks because he knew that she was nervous about, about giving that a try. Um, yeah. And then again, you know, she came down this year, um, we did like a little something this year in a in a in a six person tag team match, but uh, like I say we, we we've done because uh, she's been part of the the evil house on the Southwest Wrestling shows, who actually turned on me, and uh, of all things, I'm a babyface at Southwest Wrestling now most of the time. So um, we've been on opposite sides now, and I'm trying to catch up with her to to give her a bit of a kicking. But no, La Taylor, incredible person. Little Legs as well, or Kneecap and Murphy, is a guy who, um, again, I first met through All-Star Wrestling. There was a few dates that um, Ben couldn't make it down. Uh, And I've been – Brian had been really hard to persuade to let me go on on my own. He was really like the tag team thing and wasn't sure about me coming in just as singles. And eventually, I either wore him down or he was just desperate enough that he needed an extra body. Um, So I got to come in and do some stuff. And fairly shortly after that, I think he would give me a couple of months on the road with against Joel, and a couple of months against, uh, well, a couple of weeks against James Mason. Um, and then pretty shortly after that, I ended up working a lot with uh, Little Legs. And same again, we did the holiday camp shows. Um, what could be better visual than a guy like me against Little Legs on a on a holiday <laughs> camp show? What more could you possibly want? You know?
0: <laughs> and, Absolutely. Um,
1: He's got his routine, and uh, I, I absolutely love being a part of his routine. It's, it's the most fun you can have in a wrestling ring. I say that to anybody. It's a super fun match to, to be able to do, um, and I, I look forward to doing it every single time. And what a better way to earn a living. I say, like, the, you know, there are times when I've made a mortgage payment, touring the country, wrestling little legs, and uh, I think six-year-old me would be quite proud of that.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I love both of them. Have, I've had them both on the show before. Uh, great yeah. interviews and really, really top guys. And uh, speaking of Southwest Wrestling, I haven't been to a Southwest Wrestling show yet. I need to get down there. It's not too far from where I live, so I need to get my ass in gear uh, and get down there for sure. um, but, um John, we respect- I'm going
1: to put that together. I will put that together for you. It's we'll going to sure happen.
0: It's got to happen. But we spoke about a few groups that you've made your debut for this year, um, some new promotions, some not so new promotions. But uh, what about pro wrestling Malta? Now you uh, took the trip. I think it was in about May over to Malta, along with uh, some of your close buddies within the, the business, and right. uh, put put on a put on a show for uh, for the uh, pro wrestling Malta fans. There, there you are up against That's another right. big guy, Yeston Reese. Um, yeah. And uh, like I say, it's not often you find somebody um, a- as big or as strong as you, Jim, but you did certainly against uh, Yeston there. Um, yeah. But uh, tell us about your experience of going over to Malta, wrestling that show, uh, the-, the-, the Maltese fans and uh, just what a blast you and the boys had while you were over there.
1: Such a good time. I don't know how much Kean has told you about the, the Malta trip. A, a bit. Quite a bit.
0: The-
1: <laughs> there was a lot the- of drinking green- involved.
0: <laughs> told you the reason that we were there. Oh
1: yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. So, so one of the guys was uh, getting married. So, uh, and Gianni Valletta, uh, who's the the promoter over in uh, Pro Wrestling Malta, um, and again, he's a, a regular tour guy for All Star Wrestling. Another super, super nice guy. You wouldn't know. I think you you probably met him down at the uh, the Cheltenham show, right? I did. Wpw, indeed. So, wild man in the ring true gentleman outside of the ring, really great guy. Um So there was um, a stag party celebration was coming up and um, it was decided we were going to take a trip to Malta and Johnny obviously um, figured, well, we've got all of these um, exceptional British wrestlers and Big Jim coming over and he and Kelly <laughs> as well. Um, so let's make a show out of it, yeah? So um, we were there, I think, for three nights and one of the nights we did the... Uh, very very english guy heavy uh wrestling show what more can you say we're in that venue absolutely beautiful venue beautiful venue yeah great crowd you know crowd on hand there very very responsive yes you know he's, he's an old school guy like me so um we said let's just go out there and tell the story that you can see you know you look at him and you look at me there's a very simple story there so let's go out and tell that story um we didn't do a great deal of time. We did a, a fairly short match, stuck to the point, and uh, and got out of there. Great responses from the audience. Uh, happy to do that again anytime. Wrestling in yes, wrestling in Malta, absolutely both a big tick for me.
0: Absolutely. Would you uh, would you ever consider turning it into a, an annual thing? Getting you and the boys together, going over to Malta every summer, wrestling for Gianni. Uh, that, that that would be uh, quite a nice thing to put in the diary every summer, wouldn't it?
1: <laughs> I think I think uh, the Maltese border control would put a stop to that pretty quickly.
0: <laughs> oh, fantastic, fantastic. You know, one thing that's really stood out to me on the on the two occasions that I've met you, like I say, WPW in Cheltenham in yep. February, uh Wrestle Carnival um, a month or so ago in Coventry, was your ability to perform a fantastic promo. Um, and, uh-huh. uh, like I say, I, I don't think it was any major surprise to me. Um, but you mentioned earlier that you had a bit of training in doing promos back in the early days. I don't know whether that kind of set the ground for you. Um, but your ability to cut a good promo, a good, fierce, old fashioned, old school kind of, uh, 1980s WWF style promo, um, yeah. it, it's not to be understated. Tell us about your, your, your confidence in front of the mic and your kind of, not necessarily your influences, but tell us a bit about your style and, and where this confidence comes from.
1: Um, so, yeah, like you like you say, yeah, uh, and I said earlier, Magic was um, always put the emphasis on that side of the business. He was always, when the Hamelot came to town, he was always the promo guy. He always wanted to make sure he had a gimmick and uh, some kind of angle going into his match and wanted to tell that story. Um. He told us, you know, you've got to hit your, your big points about who you are, why you're talking, who you're against, when it's happening, where it's happening. Those real simple points, uh, you know, delete as necessary, obviously. But yeah. hit those points and, and sell tickets, basically. And then from then on, it's just about repetition. And he said, you know, stand in a mirror and talk and stand in a mirror and talk and keep eye contact and just practice and practice and practice. It's something that people don't do enough anymore i think that yeah guys will do promos but i don't think they practice them enough beforehand and they, they, they don't seem all that comfortable and i think sometimes people are afraid to look stupid you know um that everybody wants to look like i'm the smartest i'm the biggest and I, i'm not selling for anybody well you'll see at the um at the wrestle carnival promo that i did with you i'm not afraid to look silly you know <laughs> i i, I want to be this big blowhard that's there making excuses as to why I lost, you know, I'm not going you know, to, uh, coming up with these, Oh, I was three on one, you know, this is not fair. I just want, I could beat any of them in a one-on-one match and just be a blowhard like that. Yeah. Um, again, I think the, um, uh, the, the nineties and eighties style of promo as is, is so rare now that people have gone away from it, that it's become a novelty. Um, it's become a novelty again. And it stands out because, I'm not the quiet guy trying to stand there and sound educated. I'm not particularly educated, but I I can speak, you know, I can speak fairly eloquently, I think. But when I get into that zone of I'm big Jim and I'm just going to lower my eyebrows, I'm going to shout, I'm going to point my finger. And I'm I'm just going to bellow at the top of my voice and be this big blowhard that I want people to listen to me. And I'm going to complain until I get my way basically. And yeah, I think people are sometimes afraid to do that these days. And I take, I draw inspiration from those, um, like I say I had those tapes of those Royal Rumbles when yeah. I was a kid where every single guy that was in those Royal Rumbles in those days would get 10 20 or 30 seconds depending on their status on the on the card to tell you why they're going to win the Royal Rumble so you get the bushwhackers are telling you they're going to win the rumble the repo man's telling you he's going to win the rumble you know these guys that you knew you know el matador's not going to win the royal rumble but he's going to look you in the eye and tell you that he will you know absolutely and they have absolutely. to do that with with grit and determination and uh try and convince you that anything can happen and anybody can win and um I draw a lot of the inspiration from that I think those those guys road warrior Hawk i think his mind blowing promos back in back in those well, days well man. you know all the <laughs> crazy things that he used to say is it's just outrageous um ultimate warrior was a great promo guy he talked he talked absolute nonsense, but you listen to him. <laughs> And you didn't forget what he'd said. We are talking about them to this day because he was so off the wall. Um, oh, who's the other guy I was just thinking of? Um, but yeah, th- these these kind of, I want to make a lot of noise so that you'll listen to me, basically. that That yeah. is my outlook on it. That if that comes, if my face comes on your phone, pointing at the camera and shouting, I like to think that you're going to stop for a minute, put the noise on and listen to it, basically. 100%.
0: 100% and it uh, looks I've thoroughly enjoyed
1: interviewing you and, Scott Steiner uh, that's the other I was going to mention Scott Steiner, Scott um, Steiner. as a well, promo guy you know legendary we promo. all know the Steiner <laughs> math we all quote the Scott Steiner promos because you remember them you know yeah. what I mean There's Yeah. guys that are considered a great promo that are not very quotable of promos but Scott Steiner's delivered a couple of the most quotable promos of all time and all he's doing is Scott Stein is not a dumb guy, but he'll stand there and convince you that he's a big dumb musclehead yelling into the void. I think there's that, there's, there is an art form to that that's not appreciated enough.
0: 100%. 100%. And uh, please keep shouting at the camera and, uh, doing what you do because your promos your interviews are, are absolutely the best and um i think uh, like i say that, that's one of the things i enjoy doing about taking my my uh, kit to to different shows is giving people yeah. like yourself and and people that aren't so confident um the, the ability to practice their promos to practice their interviews and even if like you say they're not good at least you've yeah. got something in the can you've practiced you kind of building it from there
1: if you watch as well um wrestling resurgence late last year after I'd, uh, they'd made their comeback and I kind of reinvented myself there um, as a singles guy. I came in and attacked uh, RJ Singh and Harry Singh after a match that they'd had, like a, a real emotional moment and I came steaming in, beating both up. And then afterwards, we went to uh, the new venue that resurgence using the Y Theatre in uh, uh, Nottingham, uh, sorry, in Leicester. And uh, I sat down with uh, Charles Wheeler, who's the referee there, and we did like a like a very open conversation. And and if you go and find that video, it's, it's something that I'm really proud of that I got to do something completely different to anything I've ever done. And I sat there, very calmly talked to Charles about my grievances and went totally the opposite end of the scale. And um, yeah, if you could drop a link to that promo, or I'll, I'll drop you a link to that promo because it's something that I'm very, very proud of to try the total opposite side of the coin and uh, be that sort of, Oh well here's a he's a you know a big tough looking guy, but he's sitting down and talking quite reasonably and I didn't expect that, you know, and he was shot super well. My buddy uh Troy, Troy Grant of uh Troy Media. Uh he he came and did that, uh, recorded that with us, edited it, put it all together and did a great job, obviously. That's my boy Troy there. Um yeah, that that's something that, that I encourage everyone to go and check that out if you want to see what I can do with the microphone.
0: Absolutely. Send us the link. I'll put it in the description. Everybody can see what you're on about there. Everybody can see what you're on about. And you mentioned earlier about uh, Hammerlock and you mentioned that they are making their return after about 10 years. And uh, there's the the poster there. uh, Tradition lives on. And it is October the 29th, Saturday, the 29th of October this year. um, And there you are. You've been announced. Uh, you mentioned your your opponent, Andy Wild, um, and uh, you put out a tweet um, saying that uh, you, you you're after the championship. You're after the big gold belt, and it will be kind of an honour and a privilege oh. for you to put that round your waist. That is a beautiful belt. Um, yeah. Tell it what would that mean to you to kind of get the opportunity? I mean, obviously you're going to be wrestling again for Hammerlock, so that's going to be a real kind of like uh, a very proud moment yeah. for you. Um, but, uh, you know, to get the opportunity one day, maybe uh, to be in that main event, that'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? And a bit of a full circle moment for yourself.
1: Absolutely, man. I mean, belts are not the be all and end all to me. I I want to just be out working um, in the right places as much as I can, working with the right people, showing people what I'm capable of in, in a pro wrestling ring. Belts are not the be all and end all to me. They never have been. They never will be. Um, I'm not a guy that that has held a lot of singles championships in my time, I'm not a guy that's held a lot of tag championships to be honest either, and it's never something that I've tried to position myself to go, oh, this is what I want to be, is is this guy, but that particular championship was one that that was the the first one that I used to go and watch regularly being defended in live and in person, with guys like Gary Steele, Jake Snake Roberts, Johnny Moss, um uh conscience from uh nwa scotland and that was a position i never thought i would be in the conversation to be that guy i was always in hammerlock i was always like a very low down the pecking order kind of guy because i was so new to it it's not that i was disrespected in any way it's where i belonged at that time because i was very very new to the business like i say i was a guy i didn't know what he was doing for for years in this business mm-hmm. thinking that i did but um I never thought I'd be a guy that would be considered for that particular championship. Obviously, the promotion folded years and years ago and it was just assumed that that was that for that. You know, no one will ever hold that belt again. So I shouldn't be bothered that it's not going to be me because no one's ever going to hold that championship again. But then to see that picture and to see that belt, a lot of memories came flooding back of sitting ringside at Bedworth watching that very belt being held above a referee's head as uh, as the bell was rung. And uh, yeah, I, I can honestly say that would mean something to me to to be able to bring that belt back home with me.
0: Absolutely. And that's going to be a, a tremendous card. It's a real stacked lineup already. already, yeah, yeah. um, 29th of October. You're not going to want to miss that if you're in the area. Um, but uh, well, speaking of... You said earlier that, that, that you know, you spent many years thinking you knew what you was doing, but did you have many kind of light bulb moments where things did suddenly click, whether it was kind of backstage speaking to the boys out in the middle of a match, making your entrance, what sort of light, light bulb moments did you have and kind of how did that kind of change your, your direction? I think
1: the acceptance that I got from the all-star wrestling team when it came was kind of that moment for me yeah. that, Like I say, it it always felt like a bit of a closed-door place that you couldn't get into. It's not really that. It's that they they weirded out people that could do the job and were easy to work with, and people that are not in that position, people that are difficult, people that cannot get along with the team, because it is a workplace. You've got to understand that anyone can put up with anybody one day a month, but on the All-Star team you would have to put up with the same guys night after night after night after night. You travel with them. You share a hotel with them. You build the ring with them. You wrestle the show with them, change the dressing room with them, like sharing a dressing room with them, changing together. You guys are, you are together constantly, right? And to get their acceptance, that's a big deal to me. And you don't get that acceptance if you're not up to the job, if you're making life difficult for people, you don't get that acceptance. And that was a real moment where I use some, some for examples, like uh, when I first, like I say, I first convinced Brian to give me a trial as a singles wrestler. And that was wrestling Butlins. And I'd wrestle Saturday and Sunday at Butlins. And i would be wrestling Joel Redman for sort of 25 minutes in front of a couple of thousand people. I'm sure Joel would be the first to tell you that at that time he was, he was not a happy guy um, for, for various reasons to do with the business And he would run me ragged because I wasn't able to keep up with him. And it was never on him to reduce his pace for me to be able to keep up. It was always up to me to up my game, to get up to his pace. And it, it wasn't happy. I wasn't happy at first because every week we would do that match and he'd come backstage and he would just very bluntly tell me, that wasn't good. That wasn't good. That wasn't good. You missed this. You missed this. You missed this. It's not good enough. But then as the weeks went on that kind of started to go away and that was because I was starting to improve and get to where I needed to be. And we finally got to a point where I get to a show and find out that Joel had requested to go in a match with me. And like moments like that, it it just kind of feels like, okay, that's acceptance. You know, that's, that's a big, big mark of acceptance there. So yeah, you know, stuff like that, you, you kind of have to take that as a, yeah, maybe, maybe I do know what I'm doing. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, 100%. And uh, like I say, that's a, a huge mark of acceptance and an extremely yeah. proud moment for you, I'm sure. Um, thinking to the future, like I say, this year celebrates your, your 20th uh, anniversary in the business. Um, but what more? you want to achieve within the pro wrestling business obviously the uk scene is becoming more of a vibrant scene now there's lots going on lots of new promotions lots of great wrestling to be had have you got things you want to accomplish and, and places you want to work or people you want to perform with uh any any goals for yourself jim uh for the future oh, yeah
1: you, you always have to have goals in this i think you, you should always have goals i don't like to publicize my goals too much but I do have goals. Um, there, there are countries I'd like to see as a professional. There are people I'd like to work with. Of course, in the UK, there are promotions I'd like to work with because I feel like I, I've hit, you know, sort of the, I don't know, the first division championship kind of thing, but I don't know if I've yet hit premiership for, in terms of UK wrestling, if, if you, you get my drift from that. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think I'm somewhere in the, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm somewhere in sort of mid league in the championship at the moment. And uh We'll see if we can uh, get further than that. But like I say, I, I don't really like to publicise my goals too much. They're, they're in here and I know what I wanted, want, to, want to achieve. I know how I plan to achieve it. But it's just something that's, uh, that I prefer to keep to myself and, and let people see it when it happens.
0: Completely understandable. And uh, we all look forward to seeing how all of that unfolds over the next few years okay. I'm sure but before we ask you for your socials Jim uh, I just want to announce uh, my September lineup on wrestling with Jonas live so uh, f- from Girl. September I so so I'm going to bring up some pictures of of the uh, of the faces I have coming on the show over the next four or five weeks and first of all I've got Nathan Cruz coming on the show. Nathan Cruz is going to be coming on a Tuesday, the 13th of September, live, 8 p.m. UK time. One of the best professionals in the game. Um, He's having a bit of a resurgence himself in 2022, doing some fantastic things out there across the UK, across the north of England, Uh, but a fantastic, um, I think he's been in business 16 years there, says there on the poster, but Nathan Cruz will be coming on to the Wrestling Majora's podcast um, on Tuesday the 13th. And then I've got maggot. Uh, the WXW Shotgun Champion coming on Wednesday the 21st of September 8pm UK time, 9pm over in Germany, you're not going to want to miss this one, Maggot's doing some tremendous things um, in the UK as well, especially for Progress Wrestling becoming a bit of a popular character there Um, and Progress Wrestling in the Electric Ballroom I saw in myself with my own eyes a couple of nights ago at the latest chapter show and doing some great things across Europe with WXW but Maggot is another one you're not going to want to miss on the 21st First. And then we've got RJ Singh coming on to the show, uh, live and exclusively on the Wrestling Jonas podcast, Wednesday, the 28th of September, 8pm UK time. RJ Singh, I mean, um, I can't wait to talk to him about his, his very rich and successful career. Uh, one of the best characters, one of the best technicians, one of the best wrestlers um, in the UK, if not further afield. And I can't wait to have RJ Singh um, on the podcast on the 28th. And to wrap up the month, now I've skipped around a little bit with dates here, but for good reason. Um, and i got this guy coming on the show, Scott Garland, Scotty 2 Hottie, will be coming on to the Wrestling Image John's podcast Saturday, the 17th of September, 8pm UK time. Scott Garland, formerly known as Scotty 2 Hottie, uh, many, many years in the WWF. Um, and uh, I'd say many, many years as a, as a trainer, as a coach, the uh, NXT over in the States, the Performance Centre, and now doing some amazing things on the independent circuit in the States, over here in Europe and the UK, uh, but Scott Garland, Scotty Too Hottie will be coming on the show live and exclusive um, on Saturday, the uh, Saturday the 17th, so you're not going to want to miss that one. Um, but uh, Jim, some uh, pretty big names coming on the show in the month of September there, my friend.
1: Good stuff there, John. Well, very some, good stuff, yeah. Um, some pretty RG big names. a guy I've, uh, I've done some work with, and uh, yeah, I'm sure that'll be a really interesting chat, but Yeah, obviously, uh, Scotty High is the man. Great to meet him. Great to watch him work and um, hear the words he had to say at the end of Wrestling Carnival as well. That was, you know, he said some incredible things. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be checking that out. Awesome.
0: Awesome. But uh, I'd say for anybody watching, listening, don't forget to subscribe to Wrestling with Johnners on uh, YouTube in particular. Follow us on Twitch. Follow us on Facebook so you can see see all of them interviews live and exclusively uh, on Wrestling with Johnners. But uh, Big Jim, it's been amazing speaking to you for uh, about an hour and a quarter now. I'm going to ask you for your socials so I know that we can find you. Say hi, see some of your footage um, and get to know you a bit better on Facebook twitter instagram um but uh, tell us where where we can reach out and say hi to you my friend
1: yeah um, I'm, I'm mostly active on twitter and instagram these days um henchman wrestling on twitter which was um a, a very fortunate mistake that i've tried to put Henchman wrestling into twitter when i signed up the account and ran out of characters so <laughs> Henchman wrestling <laughs> um which is just the kind of thing that the henchmen would do you know if they were real people they would make that mistake so you're not so far away from them as I thought I was. Um, and henchman Jim on Instagram, which uh, I'm sure you're going to pop them up on the screen now. Yeah, henchman underscore Jim on Instagram, which is probably where I do uh, most of my interesting stuff there
0: absolutely and you can get him on their facebook as well uh jim diehard wrestler on facebook but you're quite right uh henchman lie on twitter and I'm henchman right. underscore jim on instagram so go following him and, and the links of course will be in the description to this podcast uh so click on those uh to reach out to jim say hi uh, and all that good stuff get to know big jim a bit more but um Thank you so much for being an excellent guest on this episode of Wrestling with Jonas. It's been a fantastic learning about your glorious 20 years in the business, some great stories there. But uh, if you've got a, a final message to your family, friends, supporters out there um, that, that have supported you um, over the last 20 years, if you've got any kind of final words, any, any, any message that you'd like to pass on to them before we go
1: um well you know to everyone that's had my back throughout this to all my friends in the business that that continue to look after me to this day thank you all so much it's been an absolute blast if it all ends tomorrow i'm very happy but there's no plans for it to end tomorrow so you're gonna have to put up with me for a little bit longer i'm afraid
0: indeed big jim thank you very much for coming on the show and see you down the road my friend
1: thank you for having me john take it care man
0: cheers